to right field, way up there, and way out of here! Second deck walk-off home run! Grand slam, Bryce Harper! This is Basin Ball 4. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very, very, very special edition of the Base Hit Ball 4 podcast. My name is Glenn Dinius, alongside Tyler Blumenstick, Scott Roswald, Alex Cashman, and a very, very, very special guest host, Sussex County Minor shortstop, former first-round pick, Cito Culver is with us. Cito, thank you for coming on. Of course, man. So, it was a – obviously, the trade deadline has come and gone, and a few weeks ago, we kind of thought maybe in this pandemic season there wouldn't be a lot of activity – on the trade deadline, but there was, especially the San Diego Padres, who we started off the last two episodes with. We're going to start off with them again. They completely overhauled their roster, really going for it this year, acquiring guys like Mike Clevenger from the Cleveland Indians, Austin Nola, Mitch Moreland, Jason Castro, and Trevor Rosenthal for some bullpen depth. Cito, when you saw everything going down with the San Diego Padres over the last couple of days, what was your instant reaction? I mean... I feel like they're all in, right? Yeah. It's a, it's it's a it's a tough division to to be in. NL West got Dodgers really own that division for the most part, I think. Um, I thought going into the season, I thought the Colorado Rockies were probably going to be the second best team in that division, in my opinion, with their lineup and that ballpark they play in and sixty games, they can put up a lot of runs. Um, but then San Diego Padres, I wouldn't say coming out of nowhere because I truly think Fernando Tatis Jr. is the best shortstop in baseball. So I knew that he was going to do some special things. And if you get Machado being somewhat of a Machado that we've seen in the past, that you know that that left side was going to be pretty solid. And I think Garrett Richards has thrown the ball well for them, if I'm not mistaken, coming out of the top, what was he, Tommy John? So I thought, I mean, they're making a good run and obviously picking up that bullpen depth just overhauling their whole catcher spot. They brought in two new catchers and sending Hedges out of there because he wasn't really a threat offensively for them. But you had a guy like Nola and Jason Castro, and you can platoon those guys, and they look pretty good right now. Yeah, they did give up a lot, including their five, seven, and nine prospects. Um, Taylor Trammell, Gabriel Arias is the shortstop, and then Joey Curtillo the number nine prospect. Scott, the main fish that the Padres got was Mike Clevenger. He's going to be that number one guy, game one of the playoffs, assuming they get there. I assume they will get there That with half the league getting in. So that's who they needed. Your expectation for the Padres, how have they shifted over the last 24 to 48 hours? Yeah, a, a very exciting trade deadline across the board, but especially for the Padres, pushing those chips all the way in, making that run. Uh, Clevenger is going to be huge for them uh, moving forwards. He's, he's a guy with electric stuff coming out of that Indians organization, uh, learning from a Kluber, from a Bauer, from a Carrasco. He's got a lot of experience uh, just being around those great pitchers. Uh, for the Padres, it's going to be huge. And he's going into a ballpark that is historically known as a pitcher's ballpark. Um, so that's going to help them a lot moving forwards into the postseason. Cash, what do you got? I mean, yeah, I think they made some good moves, but I, I, I know I harped on a little bit last week, but I don't want to overlook the whole Clevenger uh, debacle that pretty much led to his outing and, and 
Cleveland. I mean, if, you're tre- if your teammates can't trust you to be safe and be that guy, I think that's a problem. That's a huge clubhouse problem. I know we talk a lot about clubhouse guys here. Uh, thanks, Ty. But uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's a, they did the great at the trade deadline, but that's just going to weigh on my head a little bit if I'm a, if I'm a teammate of his going forward. Yeah, and we wondered about this a couple episodes ago when the news dropped. And now that we have a professional with us, we can ask this question and get a better answer. Cito, if you're in the Indians locker room and that happens with Plesak and Clevenger, is it a relationship that can't be fixed and you have to get rid of Clevenger? Or is there a way to mend that relationship? Because a lot of the Indians were very upset with what happened. I mean, I feel like it's hard to say because I feel like a lot of people have different outlooks on today's world and the whole COVID situation, I think some people are going to take it more serious than other people. I don't know the extent of what they got into off the field or where they were at or how long they were there or who they were with and all that stuff. Um, But I mean, an, an apology is enough for me, especially with a guy that I know competes like how he does on the mound every day where he gives us a chance to win every day and, and I mean, a uh, heartfelt apology. I don't want just a old oh, run of the mill, like, sorry, guys. You know, I want something like I was irresponsible. I own up to it and it won't happen again. And then we move forward. Well, I think that was part of the problem, though, right? Is that Clevenger didn't really take it seriously. He kind of just brushed off his shoulder. He didn't think it was a problem. Or am I wrong? Uh, vice, vice versa, it was Fleezak that didn't show remorse. Clevenger did gotcha. uh, give them an apology. All right, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And Plesak's the one that stays and gets the roster spot now that Clevenger's gone. They called him back up from the alternate site, and I believe he's going to start tonight, if I can't. He is against uh, Kansas City. So, Tyler, actually. With the what's what's going on between Cleveland and San Diego, it's, I, we talked about this before we went on. I'm very just kind of upset, I guess, even though I'm not an Indians fan. I'm kind of baffled by what the Indians are doing because we talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. They're very they're in a playoff spot now they're very close to the division i believe the white Sox, as we're talking right now are in the lead for the division this is a team that has a great lineup they have francisco lindor they have pitching staff already with plesak and with a bieber even without bauer and uh, kluber and now clevenger this is a team that has a window to win the world series and you gave up one of the top Mm -hmm. arms in major league baseball going into the playoffs that that could hurt so if you're a cleveland indians fan even though the hall that the Indians got can help them in the future you got to be thinking if you're Cleveland hey we could win this now and this trade doesn't help us now in 2020 yeah I mean I mentioned that last week when we were talking about this the entire thing how I mean it seems like almost as if after they lost to the Cubs in the World Series that I mean Mike Chernoff and that whole Indians front office just started to kind of unravel like you mentioned Kluber got traded uh, to Texas we got Bauer going to Cincinnati um, Bauer's now in a contract year, so who knows where he's going to end up next. My bet is that he goes to uh, San Diego with his buddy Clevenger, but we'll see what happens there. Um, look, I, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. And, and turn off at the beginning of this year in the offseason, he even said, like, like we're, we're not going to pay Lindor, which is ridiculous because he's a top five shortstop in baseball, wherever you want to rank him. But look, I, I agree with your sentiment there, like at the fact that it, when – and this, we have a, like kind of an opposite situation right now. Like if you look at the Marlins who just went out and got Starling Marte, that's a team that you look at that clubhouse and they're pretty much like they're waking up the day after the trade deadline or even the day of, and they're saying like this front office thinks that we have a chance to win and they're bringing in guys that 
are going to contribute and really kind of boost the morale in that clubhouse um, with a team that's been struggling for a really long time. But then on the other side of the coin, back to the Indians, you look at that. And if you're an Indians player, kind of like a longtime guy there, like maybe Carlos Santana, like I know he left and came back briefly, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was he did, in right? Philly for a year. Yeah. But like a, a guy like that, who's pretty much when you take out the year from Philly, a career long Indian, like what, what do you, I, I don't, I personally would be offended and kind of like a little bit upset at the fact that they don't believe that they have a chance to win and kind of wasting their prime years there. And especially yeah, Francisco but, Lindor, we touched on him too. Yeah, but if they already said that they're not going to re-sign Lindor, they said they're going to let him walk, then what they did was good, right? I mean, they got pieces for their future without Lindor. Yeah, but well, I, I don't think it's – regardless of what they got back, it's not comparable to what Lindor's production – I'm not saying it is, but he's already, he's already made it very clear he's not going to pay Lindor. I understand that, but that goes along with everything that I've been but saying. But shouldn't you about- try to win while you have him then? If you're not, then why don't you just trade him now? I don't. I mean, I don't have. That's a good point too. I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. It's really going back to that whole, I guess, tanking argument or being non-competitive. I guess there's really no way to tank in baseball because it's just hit or miss, really. Like it's not like tank with Bieber on your team. Say that again. Sorry, I missed that. You you can't tank with Bieber on your team. Well, that's also true. He's the front runner for the Cy Young. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Or I think he might be low-key the front runner for the MVP if he keeps doing what he does. Yeah. Yeah. I saw an article about that. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's done, and it's it's weird that Cleveland is so adamant about shedding talent when they have a chance to win the World Series. And this is not a team like you know the the Red Sox or the Yankees who who are or who win a lot of championships. This is a team that hasn't won since 1948. So every single opportunity, every single season that you have a chance to win the pennant and win the World Series, even if it's a 60 game season with a bubble and all that. You got to do it. I, and they got some, they got good players in return. I'm not knocking them on the haul that they got. They're, they're not, the, but who they got is not MLB ready and they're not going to help them in 2020. So it, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Indians, but the story really is the San Diego Padres. So a, a quick yes or no, I'm going to start with cash. Are the Padres not, they're not going to take over the Dodgers in the regular season to win the division, but are the Padres a world series contender now with Clevenger? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to expand? Well, you said yes or no, so I was just it's saying simple yes. yes or no. I mean, <laughs> oh, did I? You did. But, <laughs> Go for it. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they are. I mean, I don't think that they beat the Dodgers in the in the playoffs to get to the World Series, but I do think that this gives them a lot more competition and depth for a playoff series. Um, yeah, they they got dangerous. They got more dangerous, I should say. I'll open up the floor to everyone if. Dodgers, I mean, Padres, can they win the world? Is this a team that can win the World Series, or do you think this is a Clevenger, a move for 2021-22? Can this team win this World Series? I'll jump in. I'm going to say no. Um, I mentioned in our prediction episode, I mean, a couple episodes ago before the season started, how the Padres are that kind of sneaky team, and I think the cat's out of the bag now at this point. Um, Tatis is getting a chance. Did he play a full season last year? No, he got hurt. Uh, Played 84 games. I mean, yeah, like he's just finally getting a chance to kind of – not finally. I mean, it's his time to shine, but he, he's showing the world what he can do. Um, Hosmer's having a better year. Will Myers is kind of being that consistent MLB professional that you're going to want out of a guy like him um, who can play first base. He can play the outfield. Um, 
you got a guy like Tommy Pham who obviously hit the hit the DL, unfortunately, but he was set to be a big contributor for that team after proving himself with the Rays. But when you look at the team as a whole, I mean, it, I don't know if this is sustainable. And when you're talking World Series contender, you got to get through the Dodgers in the NL. I mean, and they know the Dodgers very well. But it, it's just like one of those things where the Dodgers are just that good. And like they can – I don't see a reason why they can't make it to the NLCS and give the Dodgers a run, but I don't know if they're necessarily a World Series contender because you got to get through two juggernauts. And we've never seen a lot of these guys in the postseason also when you look at that too. So you never know. I don't know. I'm going to go with no for now though. I'll, I'll give them a yes. I mean, I think in this crazy season – that it is shortened season. I think anything could happen. We've seen teams that we thought were going to be terrible in the Orioles and Tigers and Marlins be competitive and be knocking on the doorstep for the postseason. So I don't see any reason why the Padres couldn't make a run at the World Series, especially with what they went out and picked up. Uh, some good, some good bats, some solid bullpen arms, and then obviously Clevenger is the frontliner there. So I'll give him a yes. Do you think they can win the World Series? I'm, I'm leaning more towards yes. And, I mean, my, my reasoning is I'm looking at matchups, right? So, I mean, Walker Buehler's on the DL right now. Blister on his right hand, whatever. So, he's not pitching um, at the moment. And I'm sure they're going to wait until that thing's 100% until they bring him back because they truly, at this moment, don't really need him to throw games. They're not in dire need of him to throw games. But if, if he's going to be your one and you're going to match him with Clevenger, I'm okay with that matchup for them first, you know, and then you have the, the Lamette guy and Kershaw probably game two, right? Yeah. I'm okay with that matchup if I'm the Padres. I, and then you got, they, they, Especially they just since Kershaw him. struggles a lot in the playoffs. Right, and and he's a left-handed hit. He's a left-handed pitcher, and all their big bats are right-handed bats minus Eric Hosmer, which is I think he hits lefties well in anyways. So I think I think I I'm okay with that matchup. They just traded Ross Stripling. Who's their Who's their three four starters? The Dodgers. I got the kid man. with the hair. Yeah, Dustin, Dustin May and Ryu. Dust, Dust, probably Dustin May. Ryu no, with Day Toronto. Yep. All right. I mean, uh, Urias. Sorry, my bad. That's what I meant. Okay, so. He's going I mean, tonight, those, actually. So those two guys are young, and you're going to match Garrett Richards and uh, Davies, Zach Davies, who's been pretty fucking good for the Padres this oh, yeah. year, in my opinion. So it's like the youth that the that the Padre have is our position player more so than pitching, right? Yeah. Is that something that we can agree on? Yeah. Their youth is That's more of their so. position players than their – Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that the pod is might have a little bit more experience on the mound and starting pitching minus like Kershaw. And you have Dustin May having pitched in the post. So it's like those guys are coin, coin flip. And I don't, I don't fully, fully believe in Kenley Jansen and the at the back end of their bullpen. Yeah, Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jensen has struggled. I like, I like the Trevor Rosenthal. Go ahead, Cash. Uh, Kenley Jensen has struggled 
big time lately, right? And he hasn't done great in the postseason, if I'm remembering correctly. I feel like he's had his struggles, and he's blown a World Series game more than once. So, I mean, Cito's got a good point. Matchup-wise, I, I favor the Padres. I mean, I think the Dodgers have too much experience and too much depth not to make it the World they Series. They have the bats. But, the, do- the, Dodgers, right. the Dodgers have the bats, right. I think. But the Padres, like, could have the bats for a series. Right. They can get hot, series. without a right. doubt. So, I mean, that would be a great series to watch. I think so. I think, we, I think we're going to see it, too. Right now, the Padres would be the four seed. They would match up if the season ended today against the Cardinals. So that would be a Flaherty-Wainwright kind of duo for the first two games of that series. So I, I, think, they, I think they could make a little bit of a run. I don't know if they're going to win the World Series because I think there's a lot of good teams out there. Uh, obviously, the Dodgers and the American League teams like the Rays and the Athletics, and if the Yankees ever get healthy, them as well. So not, I don't think – I think they could win this year, but I think they're going to be much more dangerous in 21 and 22, getting 162 games out of all these guys, maybe even possibly dethrone the Dodgers for the division, which Cash thinks is impossible. Relax. Yeah. Relax. Let's, let's see how they get to this season first before we start dethroning the Dodgers. So we're going to get more into the trade deadline a little bit later, but right now I want to talk about the Sussex County Miners. And I don't think Cash ever thought I'd ever say that. But we no. have we have Cito Culver here, shortstop for the Miners. Um, miners are doing well. They cash. What's what's the story? They they won the whole thing two years ago. Yeah, two thousand eighteen last year. We're not going to talk about happened. last year, but we're not talking uh, about last year. Two thousand eighteen, we won, and two thousand nineteen, uh, which was part of Cito's tenure at the team. They were we were wire to wire, first place the whole season. Uh, playoffs are a different story, but um, regular season champions back to back years, and right now. Uh, we are in first place again, and Cito's leading the league in hitting. There so, we uh, and we're not going to get too deep into that. No, but you know, <laughs> I, just, I had to throw it out there. I had to throw yeah. it out there. Um, so, Cito drafted first overall, spent seven seasons in the Yankees organization, spent a season with the Miners, then went to the Boulders, and now the Miners. Talk about, or if I didn't say Marlins, I meant Marlins. Talk right. about the difference between minor league baseball and independent baseball in terms of the talent pool. Is it a big difference? Is it a big difference or is it kind of a small bridge in gap in talent? Um, I don't, I honestly don't think it's that big of a difference. I think that we faced, I mean, last year was my first year in indie ball and it was with the minors in the Can-Am league. And I, we faced a lot of guys that were very experienced guys. I mean, Philippe Amont, pitched for Ottawa last year and he had a big league spring training invite with the Blue Jays this year. I hate Philippe Beaumont. <laughs> you're a Phillies fan then, I'm guessing. I, I hate him. He's one of the worst pitchers I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, but I don't know if he figured something out because he was throwing like 96 mile per hour cutters. He, he pitched really well last year. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's a big dude from what I recall. Like he's pretty tall and lanky. So I can imagine that he does have good stuff. He just wasn't a big league pitcher. And the fact that the Phillies got him in the Cliff Lee trade made it so much worse. I feel like if you would have seen him pitch last year, you'd be like, where was this guy when he was with the Phillies? (laughs) But he pitched for the Canadian national team. And a bunch of the guys in in the Can-Am league on the Canadian side played for the Canadian national team, a lot of pitchers. So – I mean, they're experienced. They face experienced guys. These guys pitch in the WBC, so it's like they face big league guys. They know 
how to get people out. And I wouldn't say that the, that the talent pool is like, like there's this wide, wide gap. No, no shot. I think there's a lot of good baseball players everywhere. And I think, I think the talent pool is just as good as minor leagues. I'm not going to say better, but just like very comparable in my opinion. Well, I think that there are so many professional baseball players out there that you can't, not every one of them can be on an affiliated team. And uh, this, I mean, it's good competition. It's fun baseball to watch. And um, I would agree with Cito, even though I'm not on the field playing, I, I think it's pretty comparable. And, and, you know, the, the, the main goal for anybody who plays baseball, whoever picks up a bat, whoever picks up a glove, is to play in the major leagues. And not everyone has the, the same journey. Not everyone gets there immediately. So, like, some guys like Mike Trout or Bryce Harper who are there at 18, 19 years old, a lot of people have to go through that kind of phase. Kind of like in the NBA, you, start, you don't go automatically. Some people have to start in G League or start overseas in Europe. So, you know, talk about the grind of spending all those years in the minor leagues now in indie ball and, you know, that goal that never kind of goes away of reaching where you want to go in your career. I mean, I've been, I love, love, love baseball. Like Mm -hmm. I have like a, like a sickening passion for baseball. I can sit here and talk for the reason why I can't even, have my own podcast is because it'd be like a 24 hour podcast. I just sit there and talk all the time about baseball and I would never do anything else, which would not be good. But I, I enjoyed my time with the Yankees immensely. I learned so much, been around so many good people, so many good coaches, so many hall of famers, just experiences that I'd never thought I was going to get in my life. All of a sudden I turned 17 and I'm walking around the likes of Derek Jeter and Robinson Cano and these are the guys I just watched on TV like last week it's weird you know what I mean so I I enjoyed my time with the Yankees I learned so much I learned how to be a professional they do things they're right there I mean it's the greatest organization in the world in my opinion I I, ta- I was I've been around so many good guys created so many good relationships and I wouldn't trade that away for the world and but the the grind of it every day is i mean it's grueling i don't i don't think a lot of people understand how hard it is to be a 17 year old kid home away from home away from your family and then expected to play at the best of your ability every single day mm-hmm. i mean i don't think i don't think people understand how that is like that's just a tough thing to do for anyone at any age let alone being 17 and not really mature in the way of being like a professional and understanding how much work goes into it. I mean, I think that's why there is minor leagues is because you have to learn how to be a professional, mm-hmm. but I've, I enjoyed, I've enjoyed the grind. I've embraced the grind. And I think everybody peaks at a different point in time. There's no really like age. I mean, Chris Colabello, one of my good friends, he played any ball for like 11 years before he even got a shot to go play affiliated and he made his big league debut and was a big part of that Toronto Blue Jays team that were making those runs. So, I mean, never say never, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, Cash's favorite movie is Moneyball. And there's one of my favorite quotes of any movie in Moneyball is one of the scouts say, you know, someday we're going to be told that we can't play the child's game anymore. Some were told at 18, some are told at 40, but we're all told, I think that's the quote in that movie. And you talk about how you're 17 years old 
and you're just, you're away from home for the first time. You're traveling with these people that you don't know. And it could be overwhelming for a kid of that age. I mean, I remember reading Derek Jeter's book and he called his parents every single night crying because he couldn't do it. In his first year in poor ball, he made what, 56 errors. I think that's the number. Um, Mickey Mantle, same story. He talked to his dad all the time to the point where I think the story is his dad drove to where, wherever Mickey was playing in minor leagues, got a suitcase and said, if you're a quitter, then let's quit. And Mickey was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a grind. I don't think people realize how hard minor league baseball is. It, it's not as luxurious, obviously, as being in the big leagues. You're taking bus rides for hours and hours and hours. Of course, it's well-documented. The pay isn't fantastic. It, it, really, the minor leaguers, even more so than the people that make it and make the million dollars, they really do play for the love of the game. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I agree 100%. I mean, it's tough. The bus, like some of some of my most memorable moments in minor league, like I'm a big like teammate guy. Like I I I, I like the relationships I built, the friendships I built from baseball. So some of my fondest memories are clubhouse things and bus ride things. Not so much. I mean, going three for four, two homers is great, but like connecting with other human beings and and making friends with people that you never would have met outside of this opportunity, I think it's, it was, was the best part for me. Ty, you absolutely. Got awesome. I, I, oh, sorry, Scott, Ty. go ahead. I just, I, I absolutely agree with you there, Cito. Some of my fondest memories of just playing baseball are from my teammates. Uh, you know, AAU tournaments, being at the hotel, like just goofing around, stuff like that. Uh, I mean, that's how the four of us met was playing baseball at Monmouth. Uh, we, none of us, I mean, Cash and Ty knew each other from home, but other than that, like we would have never met each other and now we're here doing this continuing. It's my biggest regret meeting Glenn. I gotta be honest. (laughs) All right. That's what it is, man. So yeah, baseball is a sport that can just bring so many people together, uh, and create so many fond memories. So I absolutely agree with you on that. So I do have a question. Um, so there's this huge, I wouldn't call it a huge question, but I've heard it a bunch. A lot of people, and I know you went through the system from the bottom all the way up to the AAA level. Is AA truly harder than AAA, even though it's a level below? Um, I've heard a lot of people say that. I, I, and I heard that too coming up when I was in low A and high A, and I, I, you hear that that's how- type of stuff I can only give you on with my experience what I what I felt I can't speak for everyone mm-hmm. I know that for me I I thought that double dub, guys in double a stuff stuff wise was electric like a lot like okay. you're seeing you're seeing some of the most like electric stuff like I that's where I faced Clevenger I never faced Clevenger in triple a I faced Clevenger when he was in Akron in double a two for four triple sorry but, um, Cito's got no, wheels, I, man. Cito's got the wheels. The Padres are going to pick him up real quick. <laughs> so, no, but the difference between double A AA and triple A is when you go to triple A, once these guys figure out a way to get you out, they're going to keep going to that until you make an adjustment. So, like, if you keep swinging at balls in the dirt, like, you're going to get a steady diet of balls in the dirt. If you keep gotcha. chasing the ball up, 
you're going to get a steady like that with two strikes. They're, they're going to throw it up because they know you chase it and they're going to make you make adjustments, you know? So like mm-hmm. to me, that, that was the biggest difference. And as far as the pitching and the game in AAA is just cleaner, right? So you don't see like, you don't really see a lot of like boneheaded mistakes in AAA. Like you will like occasionally, but the game overall is just a bit like cleaner, a bit tighter. Guys know what they do well. They do what they do well all the time. You know what I mean? Like defenders just make plays. You hit ground balls to them, you're out. You know what I mean? Like that's, and that's another big difference. So I played shortstop and and by the, when I was in AA, AAA, I was moving all around second, short, third. And the difference between double A and triple A is double A guys run hard to first base, no matter how they hit the ball. Right. Triple A guys, like if they hit a rocket at you, like you're going to have a lot of guys that just like not Cadillac it, but like give you like 70% down the line. They know they're out because you're supposed to make the play. So that was the biggest difference where the pressure was on in double A to get the ball out of your glove over to first Yeah. triple A. Like, you know, the ball hits, hits hard. Like you have a little bit more time. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense, though, because, I mean, when in the AAA level, it seems like you not only get the guys that are trying to break through, but you get also those veterans who never were really it at the major league level but could still play, kind of like a guy like Eric Kratz. Like, you look at that. He spent a lot of time in AAA, and then you see a clip of him a couple days ago, and he's gunning somebody out with an absolute rope to second base from his knees. And, like, these guys are people that know how to play. They're professionals, and – you get your healthy dose of those guys in AAA too. And obviously that probably is attributed to uh, the fact that AAA is a pretty clean game also. So just experience, yeah, just experience, you know, just, just having the amount of games you have under your belt is so important once you get to that level, because the more games you play, the more things you've seen on the baseball field and the more things you see, the more things you can prepare for. So it's like those guys just have played so much more, not so much more, but, more than the guys at the double-A level. And they played – usually those guys at triple-A have played in triple-A two, three years, you know? So, you like – you get a lot of guys that are going back to, like, repeat that level in a sense where double-A is, like – there's not that many guys, like, repeating double-A over and over again that are, like, prospects, you know what I mean? Like, playing double-A, if you do well, you're going to get moved up. Like, it's that simple. Like, Makes sense. I want – I've always wondered this about minor league baseball players – and I guess I can, it's not even close, but like when you're a sophomore in high school and you're on JV and you're pushing for varsity, it, for me, it, it, it's hard to not, I don't know, you said you were a teammate guy, but is there a part of you that, you know, you lose the game, but hey, I went three for four and I can get called up because I'm playing personally, I'm playing very well. Is it hard to fight that feeling? Because as a minor leaguer, obviously the goal is to keep moving up until you reach the major leagues. Is it hard to not, you know, I went four for four, but we lost. But hey, I went four for four, and that's good for me. Is it hard if, if you're? Try, I'm trying. I'm not articulating this as well as I want. But is it hard to fight those feelings? I know. What you, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I was fortunate enough to come up with the Yankees, where like winning was a thing. Like yeah. it wasn't. It was important at every level. It wasn't just like developing the minor leagues to win at the big league level. It's like win, learn how to win now, so that when you get there, it's not a strange feeling to you when you are winning. You know what I mean? So it's like, I wish, like, selfishly speaking, I wish that I was able to, like, separate the two. But, like, if I was three for four and we lost, I was like, 
damn, like I, if I would have got that, uh, that, that hit in my last at bat, maybe we wouldn't like, I've all, I've, I've always based things. I'm just so super competitive that I always want to win no matter what. I mean, I think Alex can attest to that. Like he sees, he sees in the dugout and sometimes some stuff that like, I want to win. I don't care if I'm playing you and flip cup or like, I don't, I don't care. Like I want to win no matter what I'm doing. So like, that was always important to me. I wish that selfishly I was a little bit more selfish in a sense of like, let me just worry about me because there's a bigger goal. But like, I've never been that type of player. Are there guys like that though? Are there are guys that are like, Hey, calls for a bunt, but Hey, I'm trying to get called up. So I'm going to, I'm going to swing away kind of thing. There's a hundred percent guys like that. And I don't fault them for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean it has, that, at, at some point, it's a little bit of a human nature kind of thing. Those, those are the guys that are usually really good anyways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, those are the guys. Like, I, 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 played, I played with a buddy in AAA where he knew how many hits he had to get to get his average back over 300 whenever he fell under. You know what I mean? He knew he had to go uh, three for his next six to get back to three. Like, he knew that type of stuff. And he would go out there and he would do it. And I thought that that was unbelievable. I, and I mean, that is to me, one of the craziest things ever, because whenever I'm like, I need to get three hits, I'm over three with like three strikeouts. So like, it's very impressive that people can play that way. I've never been that type of guy. Uh, but I think it's also players like, you know, Cito who care so much about winning rather than their own uh, statistics is why like teams like the minors or teams like minor league teams are successful you know because if you have a, a veteran guy in the clubhouse like Cito who says hey I don't care if you go 0 for 7 or if you go 7 for 7 all that matters is we get a win at the end of the day that rubs off on everyone else in the clubhouse because he's been successful at this level and he's been successful period and that shows that the younger guys like okay maybe I have to care about winning if I'm going to be successful in this game and it rubs off on everybody yeah and I think in, t- in terms of a locker room, leadership is very important. And, you know, we joke all the time on this show, like how important is a, like a locker room leader? Re- how, how important is he really? Is there, you talked about, you know, you've met, you've met Jeter and all the Yankees in your time there. Does it really matter when somebody older than you, a veteran, puts his arm around you and say, hey, this is what you got to do. You're going to be fine, stuff like that. Does that really make a difference to a guy? I think it does. I think it makes the world a difference because – I think it it all ends with like accountability, right? So if if there's nobody on the team that's holding anyone accountable, like I think just the wheels can fall off really fast. You know what I mean? But if because it's easy, it's easy to, in my opinion, it's easy to start slacking off when your team is playing well. It's easy to be like, oh no, we'll win it anyways. It doesn't matter. It's really easy for, but like the sign of a good team is a team that like, like the Dodgers that haven't lost a series this year, which is ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. the accountability of like, we are good and we're going to be good every day and everyone's accountable for their, for their, for their stuff. That's why I think that's why that team works so well because they have a bunch of people that lead in all different sorts of ways. You know what I mean? So I think, I think being, having a leader and having multiple leaders is the best, best way to, to, to have a good team. I mean, that's the, the teams that I've played for that have been good have had multiple leaders that play the game the right way and hold you to a high standard because 
I'm telling you right now, if I if Aaron Judge hits a ground ball to shortstop and he runs as hard as he can to first base, and I come up and I hit a ground ball to shortstop and I don't run as hard as I can, and he comes up to me and says, why can I run as hard as, as I can but you can't? I don't really have an answer for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So I guess on that topic, I have another question. I guess we're just going rapid fire here. If you had to put a finger on it, top three favorite teammates of all time? Aaron Judge. Okay. Um, ben Gamble. That's an interesting one. And Jake Cave. All right. There you go. Those are my. Tyler, those are Tyler my has a guys. baseball from Ben Gamble in, in Fenway Park. Do I? Should I find it? I'm going to find it right now. Hold on. Give me a second. Hold on. I, I keep mean, going. I'll find it in two seconds. I'll get back. Is Aaron Judge as nice as he seems? Yes. Yeah. Very, very simple. Yes. He I can tell it. you. I can tell you. I can tell you a story about Aaron Judge that I think defines him, like defines his character. Like after his rookie season, where he literally should have won MVP. I think he should have won MVP. Um, Easily, he has to go to New York City to accept his award for winning, winning Rookie of the Year, right? And and at this award, I mean, I guess El Tuve was there, Stant was there, just like I think the two the Cy Youngs were there. Like everyone was just getting their awards in New York City, and it just so happened to fall on when the Grammys were being hosted at Madison Square Garden. And he had got a phone call. We were in California training together. He had got a phone call, and they wanted him to announce an award at the Grammys. You know how they had like best yeah. new whatever, and then he, mm-hmm. he was going to be the person reading the ticket, whatever, giving the award away, whichever, which is, which is fucking awesome. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's literally insane. Like he's literally sitting there talking. He's like, dude, I'm going to get to meet Drake. This, that, this. I'm like super excited about it. And he gets to the to the award ceremony for himself, winning Rookie of the Year. And there's a there's like a group of of um, handicapped kids there. And instead of going to the Grammys and announcing the award, this guy stays and spends an hour and a half with these kids, which is like, this is something that he was super looking forward to do. Mm-hmm. And just in a blink of an eye, shut it down and was yeah. like, this is way more important. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my best way to like describe him as a, as a player, as a person, as a teammate, as a friend, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's just... A genuine guy. Yeah, it's it's awesome that he does things like that because you know obviously any professional there's probably a ton of professional athletes that just do that when the cameras on, but the fact that he does it when the cameras are off and he's just doing it at the goodness of his heart is just it's really great and and it, it's it's sad to see what's going on with Judge right now because he's he's always getting hurt and we could we could talk about Judge and then we can segue into injuries in general. What do you, what 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 happens when oh Tyler has the ball great what when you here. constantly get hurt and you hear it from the media and you hear it from the fans not just judge but any athlete how frustrating is it because you're not obviously trying to get hurt but how frustrating is it to just not be able to get on the field I don't know if you've experienced you know an injury bug yourself but how how just like draining is that emotionally mentally physically to just always seem to be on the IL 
I've been fortunate enough to kind of stay out of that type of knock on wood. Like um, Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate enough where I didn't have to deal with anything too severe. Um, I think it's, I think it's more, I think it might be more frustrating for him because it's a bunch of little stuff that he can't really do much about, you know, it's not like a big, like, okay, surgery needs, and it's fixed and you're good. Like it's always something little that like is just bad enough to not play through. You know what I mean? And I, I know for a fact, this guy has played through injuries, whether it's been known in the public or not. I know for a fact that he has, you know, I know that the year he won the home run derby, he wasn't feeling great mm-hmm. throughout, shoulder, throughout which that. is absurd to me, by the way, because he, it came out at the end of the year. He had a shoulder injury the whole year and he still won rookie of the year. He still should have won MVP. And this dude was playing with one arm. He couldn't lift his arm over his head. That's absurd. Which is, which is so like the people for the people that say like he's soft and he, like he can't play through stuff. Like that's absurd because mm-hmm. this guy is one of the most like, mentally tough person I know to the point where like I mean just not this time he got put on the IL but the time before he didn't want to go on the IL yeah. he told them he was he was very adamant about it and I don't know if that played into what, ha- what has happened now I don't I don't think that they're, they're correlated in any sort of way but like he wants to play he wants to be on the field. He wants to help his teammates win. He wants to win. He wants to be that guy. And to me, like, it's almost amazing that he has been as productive as he's been between injuries. Like, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy because when he's not – when he's on the field and he's healthy, he's, you know, top ten player of the game. He's fantastic. His talent is just off the charts. He does things that nobody else in baseball can do. And, and it, it's sad because, you know, it, it seems like everybody on the Yankees gets hurt. And we'll segue away, away from, a, from a, you know, standard interview with Cito and we'll get more into a, like a conversation for right now. We'll get into a broad discussion about the Yankees. They are really decimated by injuries. You look at their lineup and it, it's not what – their middle infield is Tyro Estrada, Tyler Wade. No offense to them, but they're not Glaber Torres – and they're not DJ LeMahieu. DJ we got LeMahieu back now. Home runs today, but that it, it, that's a, that's something that a team can't constantly come back from. Last year, when they won 103 games, they had all these wins, they had all these injuries. It was a miracle, and it seems like it's finally catching up with them. They have a, they had a couple comebacks, wins against the Mets. That's great, but you know when you got a team like the Rays that are continuing to grind and continuing to win, it's hard to continue to just brush aside these injuries. Eventually, the next man up isn't good enough. I agree. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know that it's tough. I in the it's bittersweet to me because I've played with the guys that are on the IL, and I've also played with the guys that are playing now. So, and I want them to do well as well. Like Tyler Wade's a really good friend of mine. Tyrell Strada, I played with Miguel Andujar. I played with Glaber. I played with all these guys. So it's like. I want all of them, the guys to do well. And I think they're all capable of producing at the big league level. It's just that it's, you cannot replace the two best home run hitters in the world. Yeah. You just can't do it. Like literally Stanton and judge are literally, in my opinion, the two best home run hitters in the world. I think yeah. like they just, they just hit a lot of homers. That's just what they do. They're just big as hell. And they hit it's a lot hard of to argue that. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, 
how do you like how do you replace you can't replace it you know you can't replace it because you can't get another six eight guy that's just he's they're both one of a kind type of players and that's why Stan got paid the way he did and Judge will eventually get paid the way he's going to and whatever but you can, there's only so much you can do with the and I don't even want to call them backups because to me it's like. I don't know if you guys are into basketball, but Kentucky, John Calipari, the year he had like all those Devin Booker, all these guys, and then he had two separate lineups. Like, I feel like that's what the Yankees are. Like, I think that for the past three, four years, the AAA Yankees could compete in the big leagues. I think they could. So like, it's not that I don't think they can compete. I don't think that they can be a good team. I think they can figure out ways to win. Obviously, it has to be good. That that leads me to a question because it has become an argument on this show that uh, the Yankees' mantra is just to hit home runs. But if you got guys on the IL like Judge and Stanton, and you have guys replacing them like Tyler Wade and Estrada, um, your mo has to change a little bit, right? Because you're not asking Tyler Wade to go up there and hit home runs. You, you got to play some small ball. I just think you ask them to play their games. They're there, right? So you got to play some small ball individually, right? So I mean. At the end of the day, like, those guys can also run into a few. They're not going to run into 50. No, of course. Of course. But but they can run into a few as well and hold their own. And, like, I think I think in other situations, a lot of these guys would be everyday players in other places. Like, Miguel Andujar, can we not, can we not forget that this guy should have won Rookie of the Year when Shohei Otani won it? Uh-oh, Glenn's going to get going here. I say that every day. <laughs> I actually got I'm into a Twitter saying, argument. I go to sleep every night saying that to myself. I mean, it's literally the like the numbers were we like I thought his numbers were just blatantly better than Shohei Otani's numbers. Mm-hmm. Let alone, let alone he played on a winning team. Let like and he played I mean, the whole season. He didn't get hurt. Exactly. And so he broke like, the doubles record. Exactly for a rookie, right? Like that's all this no, guy does. Total. Hit doubles. Wasn't it total? total? I think no, it was, I think it was rookie. Oh, I think right. it was rookie as well. But either way, like, this guy, all he does is hit doubles. Mm-hmm. Doubles, to me, like, with runners on, what's, doubles are driving in runs, too. That Home runs aren't the only thing that drive in runs. Like, I don't think you ask these guys to do anything different but play their game. You know what I mean? You, and you hope these guys, these other guys can come back and, and contribute how they expect them to contribute in the beginning. But, like, this 60-game this season is so weird where it makes – a team like the Rays look very, very appealing. Mm-hmm. But, like, could all the players that are playing good right now sustain it over 162? I'm not saying they can't. But I know that Stanton's going to hit 50 homers. I know that Judge is going to hit 50 homers if healthy. I, you know, these things I know because they've done it. Like, mm-hmm. to me, who's the best hitter on the, the Rays right now? Lau? Yeah, it's Lau. Lau's Lau. Yeah. But last year, was it? last year was Meadows. Last year was Meadows. Like they, I feel like what they have on their team is what the Yankees are playing with now. Mm-hmm. They're just hot. Yeah. G-Man Choi absolutely owns Garrett Cole. It's like, he's five a, for five really yesterday. Good, he's he's, he's really like seven for eleven lifetime against Garrett Cole. Can you believe that? I can. I played with him. You played with him. That's yeah, insane. this guy had this guy had like more RBIs than strikeouts in Triple A. That's stupid. <laughs> I remember when he came up for the Yankees. It was just this that guy. year. That year, I played with him. Yeah, he just he absolutely hit a tank into the uh, right field bleachers, like right where the bleacher creatures are, 
and it was the most electric thing. And then, like, next year, he's just shipped off to... He went to Milwaukee, I believe. Milwaukee, yeah. It, I was going to say the uh, the Angels, but I don't think he played there. I played I played against him that year in 18 when I was with the Marlins. He was in, mm-hmm. he was in AAA with Milwaukee. And, dude, how about him just switch hitting this yeah, year? Yeah, he's a randomly. switch hitter now. He went deep. He hit a home run right-handed. Yeah, he went deep yeah. for a trap. And his I think he quit. I think he doesn't right-handed. want to do it anymore. I don't know. That's, but that's just like, oh, by the way, like I'm going to switch it this year too and still be productive. So It's one thing to that's like, like That's like a ranged guy, right? Yeah, it, it's wild, especially at the major league level. Like I don't get how – like I play Sunday men's league, and like if I wanted to go up there and switch it and just take some lefty hacks, like – I could probably maybe get it done. I've done it in the past in like club ball. I've done it just to like mess around if we're beating a team pretty bad and just want to have some fun. But at the major league level to just say, I'm going to flip around and hit this. Like you get pitched differently. You face the opposite hand more than you normally would face the opposite hand. The, or no, you face the same hand more than you'd face the uh, same hand from the other side. And the balls come at you differently. It breaks differently. Your entire body is just flipped. It's I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. It's pretty crazy. Listen, I, I took I took I took I used to sw- I switched it when I first started, and then the Yankees okay. said the Yankees said no more. And then last year with the minors, I went back to switch hitting after six years. And I can tell you, I I was a switch hitter. I don't I don't know if G Man was a switch hitter in his early in his career or not, but I know that I was a switch hitter, and I went back to switch hitting. And for the first month and a half the whole left side of my body was so sore from not swinging left-handed for yeah. six years so it's like it's unbelievable that he's doing what he's doing at that level do you is there any pushback from you when the yankees come up to you and say hey we don't want you to switch it anymore or do you say yes eight, yes sir. i was i was i was 18 what do you yeah. think i said you said okay. you said yeah yes sir whatever you want <laughs> Uh, um, I remember, and this this play came in our group chat a couple days ago. But I remember watching the spring training game. Uh, it was the first spring training game of the year against the Phillies, and you make this play in the hole, and you do this Jeter jump throw all the way to first, and it's on Sports Center. I, I believe it was on Sports Center. But what in that moment when you're wearing the pinstripes and you make a play that Jeter would make all the time? Are you feeling yourself in that moment? Do you remember what play I'm talking about? hundred percent. I remember. <laughs> but that's, I have, I have one of those weird like brains that I can like remember stuff from like seven years ago, like, and at that from like seven years ago that someone else had, not even me. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've had that kind of like recall when it comes to sporting. I don't know why, but yes, I, I've always like, I take a lot of pride in my defense and I work on defense tirelessly and, I've always felt myself defensively. So like making mm-hmm. that play to me was just, it was, I mean, I made, I made that play Sunday. I made the exact same play Sunday. Alex, were so we're going to add it. We're going to add it to this video in post-production. We're going to add the, the, fil- the, the play that he made on Sunday in a minor if you can uniform. Put them, if, you, if you can put them side by side, they're almost identical plays. I can probably do it right now. Let's keep I, going and I'll see if I can. I'm going to, I'm going to plug Cito real quick though. He's talking about his defense and, this is my third season with the minors. I've watched professional baseball my entire life, and I'll tell you right now, I will put Cito's defense up against anybody in Major League Baseball. And I'm not just saying that. It's 
hundred percent. He's the best defender I've ever seen with my two eyes. The dude is an absolute magician. I appreciate that. Now let me I'm ask serious. you this: because it's it's I, unreal. I was, I was hesitant to bring this up because I didn't know if you would to like take offense to it, but you seem like a cool guy, so I'm going to ask it anyway. When you watch that play that we're talking about with the Yankees, and you hear the call from Michael Kay, and he's like, great play by Cito Culver, first-round pick, but he can't hit. Like, is there a it, yeah. part of you that's like, fuck you, Michael Kay? <laughs> I mean, the guy's never had a conversation with me. I know he's never been at one of my games. So, like, mm-hmm. if, he's, if you're, like – we all, I mean, if you're, if you're a baseball guy, you know that, like, numbers can be deceiving, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very deceiving. Someone can hit 250, but, like, if you went and watched him play every day, it might have been one of the most impressive 250s you've ever seen, whether mm-hmm. he's lining out, whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like, it can be completely different. And I think, I mean, I had a problem with being too coachable, right? So mm-hmm. my issue was that, whatever anybody ever asked me to do offensively, I just tried. I was just like, sure, why not? You're the Yankees, you know, I'm, I don't, okay, let's go, let's go for it, whatever. And I mean, I've, I've had every stance under the sun. I mean, up tall, wide, no stride, big leg kick, small leg kick, no, everything. I've tried everything because that's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the point where I was like, I was probably in, I was going back to double A for my second year in double A. So my first year in double A hit horrible. I probably hit like 202, whatever. And I'm going back there the following year. And I completely revamped my swing in the off season without consulting them, talking to them, anything. I just completely revamped my swing. And I go to spring training and I'm hitting BP and I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm, I'm hitting like home runs to like dead center over the batter's eye to right center, left center, and BP just driving baseballs, hitting the ball well. And then like someone comes up to me and is like, why are you doing that? I'm doing what? Why are you, why are you trying to hit home runs? I'm, I'm not trying to hit home runs. I'm just trying to hit the ball hard. And they just so happen to be going over the – I can't. What do you want me to do, hit it softer, hit it lower? Yeah. I don't know. Home runs a point, right? Home runs at one point. So like I, it was confusing to me and I didn't I didn't understand like what they were trying to say to me and no one ever really like I just felt like no one truly truly like after my first 3 4 years of being no one truly truly believed that I could figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that was the most frustrating part. You know, about, about like when I go back and I watch that clip and I hear Michael K say that, and that's fine. Everyone has their right to their opinion, but like, I, Josh Donaldson made his major league debut, what, 27 years old, 28 years old, ended up winning an MVP, what, two years after that? Mm-hmm. I just turned 28, yes, two days, three days ago, four days ago. So I'm like, I'm okay. You know what I mean? I just might have figured it out a little bit late. And this mm-hmm. year, I've been way better, and I'm. It's really unfortunate that the whole COVID situation happened. Truly, and, and I remember watching a couple months ago the Michael Jordan Bulls documentary, and Michael Jordan getting like fucking furious because somebody looked at him the wrong way. Did things like yeah. that when people talk about your offense? Is that something that truly, truly motivates you, or is no, it? I'm, would you motivate yourself in other ways? 
I just like I just want to be good. So like mm-hmm. I don't need anybody else to motivate me. I love this game. I want to I want to play to the best of my ability for as long as I can. So like no one's gonna motivate me to work harder than I've already want to work. Like I'm I love this shit. I I don't want to do anything else. So it's like yeah. no one like I kind of try to just block out that noise. Like it doesn't really mm-hmm. get to me that much. I mean, sure certain things will if you hear it over and over again. Sure, but like. I mean, Alex has seen me play last year and he's seen me play this year. And there's no doubt that I'm a different hitter this mm-hmm. year than I was last year. And I just want to keep progressing forward. Like, I just want to be better at my craft. That's it. It's a noticeable difference. I mean, on that point, I mean, it's just almost like a, just more comfortable. And I think from both sides of the play, I mean, when you first came here last year, you were just in ready, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And it, it's it's so much different seeing him from both sides of the plate. It's just like wow, he figured it out. He's got it, and the defense uh, never left. I wouldn't say I figured it out. You Knock on wood, figured. but you know, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. getting I know there. What you're saying. I know what you're getting saying there. For sure. Oh, you don't have the plays up, do you? I do have it up. Do you do you want me to play it? I didn't know. Yeah, if we were shout, so the so the viewers know what we're talking about because okay. they might not know. Alrighty, here we go. Wait, where can I see this? I'm gonna share my screen. It's going to be on the screen. All right, let's see if this works. I don't know what the presentation looks like here. Can you guys see this? Yeah. Yep, I got it. All right. What if I go full screen? Is that full screen for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go. I don't know if I can get the sound up. Depending on what happens with Warren between rotation and bullpen, let's get a strikeout guy in the game right Look at that. That's beautiful. I'm, I feel like, Alex, was the play that I made on Sunday not the same exact thing? Uh, yeah, I'm going to look at it right now. And I know I sent it in our group chat, but I'm looking at it again. I'm pretty sure it was exactly the same. I might have been a little. It is. Now I'm looking at it right now. It's literally it, frame for frame could be the exact same thing, Cito. Can I just freeze yeah. frame, pause this for a second? Hold on. Watch this. Look, look at that arm strength. Wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait. Arm strength. Hold on. Let me just go slow. Oh, hold on. I don't know if I could do this. Two times? Playback speed. All right, let's go half speed. Watch this. You're not even, like, looking at first base when you make that throw. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I I always joke because I do that a lot. So, like, I'll, I'll throw to first base without necessarily, like, looking. And, like, my teammates will ask me, like, why. And I always jokingly say, like, First base has never moved. It's always been in the same yep. spot. That's a good I was just going to say, that's all muscle memory, right? Yeah. I mean, that, right. you've made I mean, he's that playing play shortstop his entire times. life. You know where first base is. Right. right. It's not like Patrick Mahomes, he's sidearming, no look, but you don't know where the receiver is. You know where first base is. Right, 100%. That's, that's an incredible – what are they saying to you when you get into the dugout? What are they saying to you? You know what's funny is like – What do they expect out of you since you're such a gold glove guy? That's that's the I think what burns me up more than anything that I've ever done on a baseball field. And I'm not the person that looks for credit. I don't I don't really do that. I don't care that much. I know when I do something and it's better than other people. Like I know it. I can feel it myself. But throughout my career, like I've made so many plays that were kind of on that level where it's like it's to be expected. So like. At first, everyone was super excited, super excited, super excited. And but by, before I say this, the pitcher that I make it for is always the most excited. 
So he's always very, very like grateful, whatever. But everyone else that I play with, I've gotten so used to like me making those plays that it was almost like an expectation. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I almost just died trying to make that play. And I just get like a fist bump. So like that, that was, that's like one thing that like gets me going a little bit, but it's, it's, it is what it is. Is there, do you have a favorite kind of, kind of ball, like going into the hole, moving to your left, move to your right, charging in? Is there a favorite that you got? Is there something that you've, you think you've perfected or certain like situation? Um, I'm pretty good at that, that jump throw play. Um, but truly like, if you like, if there was like six steps to my left, six steps to my right, if you hit it in that vicinity, like you're probably yeah. out. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen, I like you a bunch of your plays. I've seen the 360 twirl up the middle. I've seen everything. Yeah. You can do it all on the field. I mean, there it's was, incredible. it's incredible. There was a play that he made two weeks ago. I don't, I'm assuming you know exactly what I'm talking about, Cito. It was, it was a nutty play. I can't find it, but I'll, I'll have to find it. It's, it's, on, on, it's on my, it's on my Instagram. It's on my okay. Instagram. And I just remember, what is it? I'll I'll pull it up. Uh, it's on our Twitter, Tyler. What do you mean our Twitter? Miner's Twitter. Okay, I'll find it. Um, and I just remember Justin and I looked at each other. Uh, Justin, for those of you who don't know, is our general manager of the Miners. We looked at each other. He's like, "Yeah, that's that's about right. <laughs> that's that's a normal play." <laughs> but that's the thing is like it's not a normal play because no, it's no. A, but it's that's a, what we expect. It's, a, it's crazy. It's a six-six game in the eighth, in the top of the eighth, two outs, first and second, right? Oh my god! First, first and second. I found yeah. it. Oh boy. I, I mean, shortstop this, to this me play is, is the hardest position to play. How many guys are drafted as shortstops and they move around because they can't do it? Oh, a lot of people. What do we got here? Look at that. From his knees. That's oh, ridiculous. Yeah, that. That's, that's, a, that's <laughs> stupid. That's stupid. And that, that saves a run, too, which is incredible. Right, in a tie game in the eighth. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's – I pride myself on making those types of plays, like, when it, like, when it matters. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you, can see, you can see a lot of good plays in the big leagues, like, innings one through three. You know what I mean? But, like, I pride myself on the ones I make seven through nine because those are the ones that matter. Let me ask you this, you know. Shortstop to shortstop. You're watching when he's healthy. You're watching Gleyber Torres play shortstop for the first time, full-time in his career. And he, he's made a few errors in his time at shortstop this season. What do you see from Torres if you watch enough Yankee baseball now? What do you see from Torres that he could probably improve on defensively? Um, for me – I love I love Glaber. I think he's a he's great my teammate. favorite player. I love him to death. Yeah, I, I he he literally rakes. It's it's mm-hmm. unreal. He's very productive. Um, I would the only thing that I think would like help him a lot is like just getting like his foot like his footwork just might be a little bit behind. And it's what's to be expected because he just played second base for a full year. Yeah. Where like you don't really have to move your feet all that much. You know what I mean? So like he's 23 as well. Yeah, that's, like also, that's the biggest thing. It's overlooked. It's he's an all-star second baseman. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't, he wasn't just a second baseman. He was an all-star second baseman. So it's like, he's already proven himself at second and he's pretty good there. I think it's a big ask 
to to I think it's a big ask because like he was able to focus more offensively last year because second baseman just simply just isn't as hard as shortstop. So like I think that he was able to put a lot more focus in there was no pressure defensively like shortstop. Shortstop's pressure. Mm-hmm. Like it's the hardest position to play. It's pressure. It's hard to do. It's hard to make plays and it's a long throw and guys run and it's it's tough. So like you have to be locked in on both sides of the ball from pitch one. And at second base, you don't have to be locked in every single time at pitch. Especially for guys who are that talented. It's like he can get away with thinking about his last at bat and a ground ball's hit right to him and he'll just catch it and throw it to first. But shortstop, it's like, did he hit it hard? Did he hit it soft? Do I have to charge? Do I stay back? Do I, you know what I mean? I'm like, is he a good runner? Is he not a good runner? Is, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it defensively and I just think mentally like to be a little bit more locked in and get his feet moving would help him a bunch yeah Cito so I'm I'm a Phillies fan so now I'm watching D.D. Gregorius play shortstop for the first time and one of the things that I've seen from him is just his calmness all the time it doesn't matter what the play is what the situation is he just is so stoic and looks like he is under control at every single moment. What's something that you learned from him as being a part of the, when he was with the Yankees, when you were in that organization? Have fun. Like that Didi to me is like, enjoy yourself, like enjoy yourself. Like he enjoys being on the baseball field. It is not a job to him. You know, it's, it is fun. He's always smiling. You can't see it because he's wearing that mask all the time, but he's, always smiling, always having fun. And I mean, let's be honest, if you can play in New York, you can play in Philly. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a little bit different there. No, but I, I, I love Didi. I, I love Didi. I think he's, he's awesome. I think he's a really underrated shortstop, honestly. I think he's a really good defensive shortstop, and I think he gets overlooked a lot. But I would, I would put him up against – the, the top shortstops in the league right now, honestly, help when healthy. He's got a cannon for an arm. His internal clock's great. And he's really good left-handed hitter. And he hits left-handed pitching. What do you, what more do you want from a shortstop? I don't understand. Yeah, I miss him know? in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it's I miss him too. They got to bring him back. They gotta I love him, him so much. And one of the things I love the most about him is I know he did it with the Yankees was like his post-game tweets. He does the same thing on Instagram too. Like shouting that. out all – Shouting out all of his teammates, like giving them praise, like and he never he, talks about himself in those. Exactly, teams. he could go four for four with four homers, and like I don't know. I'm like, pretty sure last year he had a 10 RBI game, and he did not mention himself once. Yeah, like that's absolutely phenomenal. That he just I missed that out dude. There he's got to come back. He's praising his teammates left and right. Doesn't matter the situation. So you know, what do you think about the Astros? Oh boy, that's a that's a pretty <laughs> broad broad question. What do you mean? What do I think about him? As far as what? As far as you know, the scandal. Nothing's off limits. Just so you know, Nothing's we've we we've gone there. <laughs> we've gone there. If you don't want to talk about it, that's totally fine. I respect it. We'll move on. Could be a future no, employer. No, no, no. It's it's not that. It's not that I don't want to talk about it. I just I think it's I think it's super unfortunate. I think it's. I'm very disappointing, you know? I mean, this game is like, 
the game is what gave those guys the opportunities that they have now in life, right? So, like, fuck cheating, like, the Yankees out of a World Series and cheating Boston, whatever you want to say. Like, you're cheating baseball. Like, the thing that gave you everything you have. Like, that, to me, is – that's where I, that's where the problem lies for me is, like, you're 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 ruining baseball like you're that's not cool like i love this game that much that like i individually like i think that they have really good players i mean mm-hmm. uh, nobody's denying that yeah right I, individually I think they have really <laughs> really good players i mean you can deny it all you want Alex. you know that they have good players no they but do it's like they do <laughs> it's, it's just it just it just sucks that the thing that bothered me the most was the cockiness from them while knowing that you were cheating. That's, that's what bothered me truly. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like if you know you're cheating, like wouldn't you like want to keep the lowest profile possible? Yeah. They went with the complete opposite like approach to it. I, right. well, I think Even what got me, happened, yeah, that's thing. what got me the most angry. The is that apologies after they got or caught, lack thereof is where I really, you know, because everyone in sports is trying to get an edge. I mean, getting a sign when you're standing at second base from the catcher. I mean, that's but that's part, part of the base. game. That, that's, that's part of the yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. It is part of the game. Technology crosses a line, absolutely. But I feel like even worse than the cheating was that bullshit press conference that Jim Crane put on and those like half-ass apologies that Atuve and Bregman did. I mean, as someone who competes against them, Cito, as a professional base, that that's a punch in the face. Is there, but but let me ask you this because do you think that there's ever going to be an apology that someone like that played against them is going to accept? Yeah, I, that's that's I tough. wouldn't I say know. like I don't, I don't know if I was expecting them to stand up there on the press conference and start sobbing and beg for forgiveness, even, 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 even if they did that though, like would that be good enough for it someone? Change. That the only thing that could have changed is if Manfred took it away, and I'm not going to ask you about Manfred, I feel like that would be too much, but. I think I think that I think that the that I don't know. I just think it's an unfortunate situation yeah, for baseball. Course. It's not good. It's just not good. What do we got next, Glenn? What's on what the we agenda? We got next. Or we can go back into you know. We're running the, about the trade deadline. What an hour, that? but this is good. So let's keep going. Right. If you got uh, stuff. there's something I do want to talk about in terms of the Dodgers. It was a late push for Lance Lynn. They didn't get they didn't get him. Do you think that? That'll come back to bite the Dodgers, especially with the what the Padres did, not getting a guy like Lance Lynn. Is he still with them? Is he still with the Rangers? Yes. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't go anywhere. I think it's a bigger mistake for the Rangers not trading Lynn. I they, agree. I saw a tweet. I forget who it was, uh, talking about how they were being aggressive with trying to trade Lynn because of the situation last year with Miner. How Miner was Mike Miner was phenomenal last year for them and they didn't end up trading him he struggled this year they ended up trading minor this year for a much less package um who knows lance lynn's value is at an all-time high right now mm-hmm. Why are they not? close though are the rangers close i don't believe so i think they're in like fourth they place in the, they're in fourth place in the division i think they're Let's see. They're, they're beating the Astros two nothing right now, and they're twelve and twenty one. Yeah, they're completely out of it. Like they should have absolutely traded Lance Lynn. I feel like they missed a huge opportunity to capitalize on uh, his value. And not even the Dodgers not getting Lance Lynn, but if you look at a team like the White Sox 
or the Twins who could use a guy like Lance Lynn. I mean, remember with the ALDS last year with the Twins, they won 100 games, but, you know, they couldn't put enough arms against the Yankees, and they were a quick out. And Lance Lynn's a guy who could really make a difference, especially in a short three-game wildcard series in this kind of season. So, For sure. The guy's a horse. He's throwing 100-plus pitches every single outing when – that's kind of become a rare thing for a starting pitcher. And he's been successful. He's a guy that's throwing a lot of fastballs. I don't know if a lot, I, I, a lot, a yeah, lot of fastballs. All he throws is fastballs, which is it, unheard of now. Which is crazy yeah. that he can it's succeed by him. by doing that. I agree. I think the Rangers, who have been a very disappointing team this year, Cash had them going coming in second place in the division. Remember Cash? I was salty, and I still am, and I don't think the Astros deserve to come in second place, so I'm going to stick with my gut, and I'm going to say the Rangers <laughs> make a push because they don't cheat. Is that, the worst division? Is that the worst division in baseball? Easily. Yeah. Easily the worst division because the AL, Mariners AL are 15 and 22. Rangers are 12 and 21, and the, the Angels, an absolute atrocity, are 12 and And speaking 24. of the Angels, Cito, how frustrating is it as a baseball fan to have Mike Trout uh, we kind of say he's wasting away out there, but just not be on a competitive team in Los Angeles when he's the LeBron James of baseball. People look, but like if you look at their like their makeup, like mm-hmm. they're not supposed to be bad. Like yeah. my like their starting pitching is kind of like when and nothing against Dylan Bundy, but when Dylan Bundy is your ace, that's an issue because mm-hmm. I don't even think he was the ace on the Orioles staff when he was with the Orioles. So like. That wasn't a solid team, and now he's one of your better pitchers with the Angels. Like, I just don't like Otani's electric. Mm-hmm. Mike, Mike Trout's like really good, right? Mike Trout's really good. Anthony Rendon's really good, but like, they seem to never be going, like, going for it. In my mm-hmm. opinion, like they just they just traded Goodwin, who's a solid outfielder for them. Now that's a I don't, team I don't, that like. I mean, they went after Cole in the offseason. They obviously didn't get him, but it's always starting pitching with them. They don't have it. But outside of Rendon, who have they signed that has been successful? Pujols, the contract, just for what it is at this point, isn't worth it. Justin Upton has been pretty non-existent for them. You can go back to the Josh Simmons. Simmons has been good, I think. You can go back to the Josh Hamilton and C.J. Wilson contracts. They were both terrible for them. Yeah, but at the time, those weren't bad contracts. But they didn't produce. The guys that they've oh, gone out, the they guys that produce, they've gone out I mean, and signed haven't been good. But if the Phillies or the Yankees went out and, and signed Josh Hamilton at that time, I, I don't think any of us would be upset about that. I mean, he's coming no, off at the time right it was here. a good signing, but it just right. didn't. It work. just didn't pan out. Yeah. Are you saying that usually when guys go to the Angels, they don't pan out? Just it seems like recently that's kind of been the trend. And I, I wouldn't, and, I wouldn't disagree. See, I, I would say that the Angels are like one of those teams that maybe should have made a run at Mike Clevenger. He's under team control for another year plus an option or something like that. Like, I, he's, if you can put a package together to get that guy, like that is a move you need to make. Something like that where it's not just a guy in a contract year. That's gonna come over but and they play need, but they need like three or four. It's true, but it's a start. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, they need all five. 
And, and the ALS is a division that's kind of in transition. I mean, the Astros obviously are there, but they're going to, a lot of their guys are going to be free agents in the next coming years. The athletics obviously are good. And Seattle has a lot, a lot of young pieces that they are building on. And, you know, if the angels don't make a move, whether it be a Bauer in the off season from a free agent standpoint, they're just going to be left in the dust again. They have to eventually land that starter, in my opinion. It's hard. It's hard to land a starter when, in my opinion, it's especially in like today's day and age where like, the super teams are really starting to become a thing. Like it's hard to land a, land a starter when like your record the year before was dog shit. Like mm-hmm. it's really hard to be like, you should come here. We have like Mike Trout and Shohei. Okay, yeah, but you guys lose a hundred games. <laughs> like I don't want to be a part I, of that. Like I think it's also a hard sell being in Los Angeles and not being the Dodgers. It's barely Los Angeles. It's Anaheim. But my point is, it's three hours behind New York time, and I feel like that's the world's time. And and to be on at ten o'clock on the East Coast, I don't know. I just feel like if you're I don't an East know. Coast I think kid, money talks. I think if you throw someone two hundred million dollars, they're playing Anaheim. Yeah, Anthony Rendon. Yeah, but that's where all but their money is. But now. he just but he just won a World Series though. Yeah, so he's he's getting his bag. Yeah, so like, I think, what are you gonna do? Go sign three aces? Mm-hmm. You got to develop. Two, yeah, to one. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you gotta, you gotta draft right. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a, that's a big that's thing. That's another thing. They don't have a farm system. I mean, Joe Adele came up this year, but he hasn't lit the world on fire yet. I mean, he's starting to. He hit two in one game, like, and he hit one last night. I like Fletcher. Fletcher's my guy over there in in Anaheim. I think he's really good. Yeah, he that that kid hits, and he, I, at one point I had heard trade rumors around him and trying to get rid of him but he's just a guy that just plays hard every single day and he's just he's hits. cheap and he produces there's no reason you shouldn't keep him around like that's the problem like yeah if you have, if you have cheap guys that hit the baseball and play the field like you got to keep him around like so you're I, telling me I that texas know. didn't trade lance they didn't trade anyone beside minor that's all they traded pretty much they traded minor yeah that was it because I saw, I saw that the, the, the Rays were interested in Joey Gallo. Rangers also a, traded uh, Trinos and Frazier to the Mets. Oh, uh, that's right. Oh, yeah, back to the Mets for Frazier. In a, in a, in a last-second yeah. trade. Brody said that they needed a spark, and he's a good locker room guy. That's why they brought him. He Frazier. is a good he locker room guy. He didn't say that. Guy. Did he say that's that? That's exactly what he said. He he that. That's amazing. That's where, our, <laughs> that's where the whole uh, thing started with. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. But did you guys know that? He's a local guy from Tom's River and took a picture with Derek Jeter after the Little League World Series. I've heard that once or twice. <laughs> once or twice, that's it. Oh, that's so funny. They, I didn't that's know, a team I didn't that went Brody for it in the offseason. They acquired Kluber, the Rangers did. Yeah. And then it just, it just, Kluber got hurt, and then it just that, – that's a tough sell because they opened a new ballpark. They wanted to be competitive. And now they're going to – if they don't do anything in the offseason, they're going to have a ballpark that's going to be empty, a brand-new ballpark that's empty. So that's tough. You better do something. Mm-hmm. Hey, they'll at least be hosting the World Series if they do the bubble. Ugh. Who's who's the most surprising team for you guys so far this year? The Yankees. Um, my, my, minus minus Padres because that that's just like everyone's talking about that. The Yankees. My surprising team from a net. It's it's actually negative. I thought the Reds no, were negative. Very very yeah. good. No, I'm saying the Yankees is a negative too. Yeah, I know we were all on the, the Reds. If the Yankees stayed healthy, this wouldn't be what it is. Garrett Cole has not pitched like Garrett Cole. He hasn't. He has Jay Happ, other than the last – by the way, I'm taking full credit for Jay Happ going seven scoreless. 
I'm just going to say that right now. I went crazy last week, and he must have heard me. So I'm taking full credit for J Hap. Um, but no, I mean, Cole has not pitched well. He's uh, four and good. two with a 3.9 ERA. It's not. Yeah, we're not paying stuff, him. The, we are. The Yankees aren't paying him $38 million a year to have a 3.9 ERA. He's pitched eight games. He's four and two. You're getting four wins. He's had two I bad know. outings. I know. Rumble. No, He's not the wild. Size we're working with. Place. Look at a guy like Max Scherzer. Like, if you're really hopping on the we need more out of Cole this 30 games into the season, that's ridiculous. I think the Reds have been not passing. doing anything wrong. He, he, I, I'm just saying he hasn't looked like Garrett Cole. I'm not saying he's been yeah. bad, but he hasn't looked like Garrett Cole. He has not been as sharp as Garrett Cole has been in the past. That's, I mean, that's fair. Okay. And he talked I'm not saying he's bad. Possibly tipping pitches. See, you know, is it easy to pick up when you're tipping pit when a pitcher's tipping? Depending on what it is. I remember there was a there was a top prospect for the Tigers when I was in high eight. I was pitching in Lakeland and he did a certain thing with his foot every time he threw a breaking ball and we put like an eleven spot on him. <laughs> wow. Oh, That's man. He actually he actually pitched in the big leagues with the Phillies. So maybe uh uh, you know him. Uh, something Thompson. From oh, Jake Thompson? Jake Thompson, yes. Bust. Absolute bust. He probably was tipping his pitches. He's probably tipping. <laughs> probably. He, uh, he was part of the Cole Hamels trade. The Phillies got him from the, from the Rangers. I guess he had gotten traded from the Tigers to the Rangers. To the Rangers, yeah. And then another bust of a trade. For but he, was, he was gross. He was gross that year until we figured out that. And then we lit him on fire every time we faced him after that. Like, we couldn't get a hit off of him. And then we were like, yo, is he moving his foot? Like, tapping his foot when he's throwing breaking balls? And sure enough, he was doing it. And then, like, we never swung at the breaking ball. So all we got was heaters. And we, we wore him out. Now, is everybody in the dugout watching, looking for a giveaway? Or is it one guy that finally realizes it and then it spreads like wildfire in the dugout? There's, there's always, like, two or three hitters that are really good at picking that up, picking stuff like that up. Like for, I was really good at it. Uh, the, another guy I played with, Mark Payton, who made his major league debut with the Reds this year. Shout out Mark Payton. Um, he was really good at it. And there was one other guy who, Greg Bird. Greg Bird was really good mm. at it. Greg, Greg Bird, my God. What you know who's the, the most surprising team for me, honestly? Chicago Cubs. You think so? Yeah, they, they came out hot. They've cooled off a little bit recently. People but thought they that were... window was closing. People were speculating if, um, you know, uh, Bryant would get moved, stuff like that, as we lose cash for whatever reason. Well, they're, they're 20 and uh, – the reason why I say that is they're 20 and 14, but their run differential is only plus 13. So, like – Interesting. That tells you they're getting good pitching. Well, you Darvish right. has been phenomenal winning close games. That. Mm-hmm. But they're just winning close games, so like they could very well be fifteen and fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If some things go different ways, so I think that's I think that's something to like keep in mind because they're twenty and fourteen, and that's a really good record when the Dodgers are sitting at twenty six and ten as the best team in the. There's only three teams with oh, four teams, five teams. Yeah, there's oh. not a lot of good teams in the. National League, I believe only four have above 500. It's the same thing with the American League, too. That's the thing. Like, we were just talking about how the, the AL- American League team has the eight playoff teams already, and basically it's wherever they're going to end up, like, seeding-wise. But when you can make a case that the AL West and the AL Central are the two worst divisions in baseball and you can argue one over the other, 
that's a problem with the American League. Well, the Central's good this year. They yeah, got, they, got three, they got three teams with 20 wins. That is true. The problem then, is when the teams are bad, they're, they're very, very bad. And that brings the division winning percentage down. Because yeah. the White Sox, Indians, and Twins are all you know, good. And then the Tigers are at 16 and 16. But you know, Kansas City, seven games under 500. So there's yeah. a big drop-off between what's going to be a playoff team. I believe the Blue Jays are the cutoff at the moment as we're speaking. And then who that ninth seed first team out is. That's what the American League looks like. Who do you think is that ninth team right now on the outside looking in? I think it's the Indians. I mean, I'm looking – I'm not sorry, not the Indians. The Tigers. I think the Tigers are the first team on the yeah, outside. Tigers are, Tigers are 16 and 16. They're the, they're the ninth seed I can actually bring right it up now. right now. There's a Twitter account that has it. Yeah. So the first eight teams in the American League are in order are Rays, Athletics, White Sox, Indians, Astros, Yankees, Twins, Blue Jays. And then at nine is the Tigers, and at 10 is Baltimore. Okay. Two teams right there that are close looking on the outside that we thought might win 10 games and are making right. a push. Right. So, so when you're on a team like the Marlins and the Orioles who are not expected of much, how, how, how do you continue? I mean, we talked about motivation before, but how do you like say – when you're facing these teams like the Yankees and the Rays that are just, you know, talents better than you, is there a sense of we, we're going to show the world that we can beat this team? Well, I think those, those teams realize that they're like, they're teams, right? They're not individuals. Like mm -hmm. they're good. They're, they're put together to be a good team and not good individuals that make good team. Like the Dodgers are a bunch of good individual players that make a team really good. You know what I mean? Like they're not like, they don't have to string stuff together to score runs. Like they'll just score runs in in bunches. You know what I mean? Like, and their pitching is good. So like when you're on a team that historically doesn't spend a lot of money and are kind of just like in the mix, like you you get you have to get like good team guys. Good team guys are like you can convince someone. You can convince a team that they're good. You know yeah. what I mean? I think it all. I think it all boils down to like leadership and like management. Like who's the manager, you know, like all that type of stuff. Because, I mean, I feel like Joe Madden changed the culture in Tampa when he went there, right? Mm -hmm. I felt like he changed the culture in Chicago when he went there, and I, I think the Angels are hoping that he changes it out there, and it just hasn't happened yet. But like, you can convince a team that they're good when they don't have huge big name guys on their team. And all it takes is for you to believe that you're good, and then it works out sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, it, it is nice to see the Marlins playing well. because Every team has major league talent. That's the thing. Yeah. No matter what team it is, you're, you're on a roster, you're major league talent. You can, you can win a game. Peter is a winner. It's true. Yeah. I think, I think they came out hot, and the Phillies really sucked early. Right. Yes, they did. Early, but they're <laughs> Phillies are hot right now. They're up six nothing on the Nationals, which is nice right now, and in the playoffs. But yeah, they, the Phillies stunk at the start of the year. They had no no bullpen no, whatsoever. No bullpen. See, bullpen. Have you been on a team? Have you been on a team that just doesn't have a bullpen, and every lead gets blown, and it's just deflating? And you're like, Jesus, this is, uh, here we go again. Like, how deflating is a bad bullpen for a baseball um, team? I think it's. I think it's I don't I haven't really had to deal with it much because like 
dude, I was on a lot of winning teams coming through like the minor leagues. Like literally like the only like I was always in the hunt for the playoffs or in the playoffs every year when I played in the minors, besides the year I played with the Marlins in AAA for them. And then the beginning of the year last year when I started with Rockland and, but then I went to, then I came to Sussex and like Alex said, we were in first place the entire year. So I haven't really had the, I mean, obviously it's deflating when your starter goes and gives you six, seven strong. And then he goes inside to take a piss and he comes back out and you're down two. like, wait, what just happened? So like, obviously that's super frustrating and, they need to address that because like I think that they are a team that can make a deep run in the playoffs if those bats get hot. They have a lot of good bats in that lineup. Yeah. So so we're almost done. It's been our longest episode to date. We're running about 90 minutes. So the last thing we do before we wrap up is we do a winners and losers of the week. So we give out, you know, who we think was a winner, obviously, and who – basically suck this week so scott do you want to go first with your winner and loser yeah um i actually don't have a loser but my winner uh is reese hoskins uh finally got hot for the phillies um i i just found a tweet uh he just hit his first home run of the season like last week before that he was hitting 204 uh on base of 411 and slugging 278 he's now hit three home runs this week uh is now and since he hit that home run, it's hitting 347 on base of 458 and slugging 816. Uh, so finally getting hot for the Phillies, which is great because they needed some help outside of Harper and Real Muto. So Reese is my, my winner of the week. Let me think about a loser real quick while you guys go. All right, we'll go to Ty. All right, I'm not going to give you winners or losers. I'm just going to do what I wanted to do before. I'm going to show off my baseballs. Hold on. Okay. I got four cool ones right here. Well, three cool ones and one that I'm going to – just show you. Right, so this is the Ben Gamble one from before. He threw it to me at Fenway. Nice. Nice. All right. And then we got. That was awesome. That was so cool. We got this Evan Gaddis batting practice home run. This one stung my hand when I caught it. Right field Yankee Stadium. Nice. Then we got Miguel Sano before he was a name. He hit it into left field in Yankee oh. Stadium, and I just picked it up off the ground. And then nice. we got this. Felipe Rivero, now Felipe Vasquez, who's in some legal trouble. So I just wanted to show that one out there. Nice. That's it. Those are my little collection. Oh, well, I got something cool, but give me a second. All right. All right. And in the meantime, we'll do Cash's winner and loser. I win of the week. has got to be Jay Happ. I, I can okay. admit when I'm wrong. He, he, he came out and he gave us a strong outing, seven scoreless. Uh, again, I'm going to take full credit for it. So, Jay, if you happen to see this, you're welcome. Um. Loser of the week, so many. Give me I'm one. Gonna, I, I'm going to go with the Rangers, not trading Lint. I mean, they, they had so many, so many feelers out there. And, and, and I think I just took Glenn's loser of the week. But um, they had so many feelers out there. And I'm going to throw in Diaz, too, because the Mets would have given loser. up. Now you took my loser. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the Mets would have given him up for anything. And nobody wanted him. So... Sorry, Glenn. All right, but. so loser for me was D. I mean, seven to two in the ninth. You're strike away from winning. You, you that can't happen. It can't happen, and we see it all too much. I don't know why the Mets keep 
having him in the closure spot. I know why, because they don't have starters, so they have to put Lugo in the rotation, and that compromises the bullpen, and now Diaz has to coach cause, close because you don't have anyone else. I'm gonna tell so you that's what why I think he's in is. there, but you know, it, 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 he can't close. But my winner is Davey Garcia. Major League debut, six innings, no earned runs, six Ks. The Yankees didn't get a starter at the deadline, but a guy like Garcia, and eventually if they call up Clark Schmidt, that could be a difference either in the rotation or in the bullpen. For sure. So, those are my winners and losers. Cito, what do you got for us? What's the mystery item? Let's see What's this. the mystery item? Mystery <laughs> item. So when Robinson Cano played for the Yankees, okay. he used a Spalding fielding glove. No Remember more. that? I did not know that. This is a Robinson Cano. Wow. That's amazing. Spalding, Spalding fielding glove. This is his gamer. And if you can see like on the, maybe, maybe I go there. Hold on. Let me flip the camera. Cause you can see that he has the himself throwing in his glove. It's pretty sweet oh, wow. of that. That's awesome. He doesn't use so it anymore. He's a DH. Yes, he's a, he's a really good DH though. He's gonna get three thousand. <laughs> That's crazy. Is that the is that the best piece of memorabilia you got? Is that your um, favorite? No, I have uh, Derek Jeter's batting gloves, uh, Jordan batting gloves. Good one. Three three separate pairs of his batting gloves. I think it was like like ninety nine, two thousand and two thousand and one like versions of his batting glove. Yeah. And I and I got those. I have a. Ben Gamble shine jersey because that's my my boy when he played for Seattle. Um, Where's he now? He's with Milwaukee now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's with Milwaukee. Um, anything else cool that I got? I got a bunch of my teammates' bats. I got a bunch of Greg Bird bats. Bunch of kind of like, like the that. jersey swap thing. Like, what's the thing you do in the MLB? Is it like bats, gloves, like hats? What is it? Well, my buddy, I, I asked Jake Cave because well, Judge has a deal with Fanatics that he can get anybody's jersey framed, signed, and, like, an action picture of them, like, all in one if he just asks because he has a deal with them. Mm-hmm. So that's how he does it. Jake, uh, Jake Cave told me that if you're going to play, like, Mike Trout and you want to get his jersey signed, like, you can buy his jersey from the store. They'll run it over to him. He'll sign it, and he'll bring okay. it back to you. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's that's cool. I, I wish that they would do, like – I truly wish that they would do jersey swaps on the field. I think that would be, like, pretty cool to do to do with, like, an, after an MLB game is just swap out jerseys. I think that'd be sick. Yeah, I got, awesome. I'm not going to go get it, but I have an A-Rod ball. I got Jeter. I got – This is a name for you, Cito. I got a Rob Ref Snyder sign ball. It's, All right, wait, I got I to gotta pull I this. Went to his, I went to his wedding. I, I went to his yeah. wedding – He's one of my really good friends. I thought Rob well, I had a weird obsession with Rob They hyped that kid up. I thought Rob Refsnyder was going to be the guy who we got there. I got the Raleigh Finger uh, signed baseball card. I got it. There's a picture of me. It's on my Instagram. But I met him at the uh, All-Star Fan Fest. And I got All right. So if we're going to pull out, pull out some cool stuff, this is, my, uh, this is my most prized possession right here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There it is. There you go. You're even love- rubbing it in your own guy's face. No, that's fine. We got to get Cito one of those. We got to get Cito one of them. Yeah, he's go. got two with the Yankees, and he's <laughs> gonna get cool. one with the minors, so it's all right. 
All right. Well, that will just about do it. Before I sign off, I want to thank Cito for coming on. Cito, it was a blast talking baseball with you. It was awesome. Of course. Thank you, Cito. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. You can come back whenever you want, and we hope to see you back in the show or in the show real soon. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. And that'll just do it for this episode of Base Hit Ball 4. For Tyler Blumenstick, Scott Rosvald, Alex Cashman, and Cito Curver, my name is Glenn Denegris, and we'll see you next week.